1: Serving collectors since 1945. A great
2: big bunch of incarcerated supervillains have tiny bombs implanted in their heads before embarking upon a suicide mission for the United States government. The official name is Task Force X, but most folks call it the Suicide Squad. That's today on episode 202 of Just Another Fanboy, and this time, I have a guest. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that struggles to be funny, but typically fails nine times out of ten. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and hey, we got something fun today. I'm going to be talking about the new, the new, the new, not sure why I'm saying it that way, I'm stuck in a loop, gotta hit that needle, back on the record, but we're going to be talking about The Suicide Squad, the new movie from James Gunn, DC-related it got released on the HBO Max Thursday night, it was released in theaters simultaneously, which is a concept that just blows the mind of many people. And I, I don't, I don't quite understand why. I think they should do that for everything. I think if a movie studio owns a streaming service, then whenever one of their movies hits the theater, it should go out on that streaming service. At the same time, but not like Disney Plus, where then they charge you 30 extra dollars on top of what you're paying a month. If you want to watch that movie when the rest of the world are out there watching it in theaters with their masks on as COVID is just being spread all over like a bunch of paint on a fence that Tom Sawyer has, you know, tricked a bunch of kids into into painting.
3: Whitewashing is what they call it.
2: Oh my gosh, I'm going off the rails. Not really, not off the rails. That's a stupid thing to say. Anyway, speaking of stupid things to say, so I'm joined with a guest. Joined with a guest? I'm not joined with a guest. I'm joined by a guest today. An old friend of mine, an old buddy, an old coworker, a guy I used to work with. His name is Arthur Thompson. Used to work with him back at the Walgreens. I was working a second job at the Walgreens. And we both quickly discovered that we each uh we're in love with lady comic book lady lady it's about as far as that's going anyway as i was saying joined by arthur today and uh yeah let's just get on to it it's like an hour and 20 minutes so buckle up folks as we talk about the suicide squad so all right so you watched it twice I watched it twice. Um, I guess I should just ask just from the get-go, because I was going to watch the first one. I was going to watch it a couple nights ago, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of the first one. I think I have seen the first one twice. It's just called Suicide Squad. Um, but the idea of watching it again just didn't appeal to me in any way at all. So since you watched the first one recently... And, of course, you watched the new one, The Suicide Squad, twice over the last few days. Um, How do they compare?
3: You know what? It's kind of a really hard decision. But James Gunn blows it way out of the park with this one right off the bat. I will have to mention, though, one thing I do like about the first Suicide Squad movie is the intro song we get for The Wall. And I didn't take note of this until watching it. For like the fifth or sixth time I've seen the movie, is it's Rolling Stones. um, Sympathy for the Devil.
2: Sympathy for
3: the Devil. Yes. Yeah. And the opening line of when we first see the wall step out of the SUVs there in DC, and and it just talks about the opening line or one of the opening lines of the song is I held a general's rank and stayed behind and did all the things from the shadow. I'm like, that's really on the nose for her. And I never paid attention to it. Cause one, I love that song. I, I really do love that song. And guns and roses, I found out has a, uh, cover of that song. It's not as good. It's, it's not as good. But I really do love that song. And so it never like occurred to me like, oh, they're describing the wall perfectly. Because to me, Amanda Waller that I grew up with was CCH Pounders, Amanda Waller from Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, the Batman animated series and uh, Batman Beyond series from when I was a kid. Yeah. And that's, and that's honestly one of the best inter- interpretations of Amanda Waller I have ever had. Like, I'm used to seeing, some, like, CCH Pounder in that, that voice is so iconic that Viola Davis does a really good job of bringing that kind of energy that CCH Pounder does to a physical representation of that kind of, like, she's the
2: wall. I think the thing I like most about her version, and I, now you know this, and I think most of my listeners know this. I do like DC. I'm not one to to disparage DC, but I have always been more of a Marvel guy. I've read more Marvel comics than I have DC comics. I am familiar with uh Amanda Waller. Matter of fact, this version of the Suicide Squad, the whole um, – you know, the original version of the Suicide Squad back in the – way back in the day was, was an actual uh, – you had Rick Flagg and then a couple of scientists and, like, a a, a woman who who uh, had – was, like, a nurse or a doctor or something. And they just – they went on missions and against crazy stuff like dinosaurs and junk like that. So well, it's kind of like the Halle Commandos. I- right. The whole idea – and they had a big airplane. I did an episode on it a while back, but, uh, the whole idea of the suicide squad being criminals, super criminals who the government are using to go on these covert missions that they may or may not survive. And if they survive, they get some time off their sentence. That all came about post crisis. It was actually first introduced in a, an event called, um, There's the late eighties. Which late eighties wasn't? Drawn by John Byrne. Yeah. It was it was after the after Crisis on Infinite Earth. It was the very next event, which was called Legends. And then John Ostrander is the one, he's one of the two that are credited for creating this version of the Suicide Squad. Now, I do want to kind of go over I I pulled up Wikipedia and I do want to kind of just read their little quick description of the movie and then we'll we'll talk about some of our favorite moments and all that junk. But I do want to point out real quick before I forget, because stuff pops into my head and then I forget it. But I did watch, uh, there's a YouTube channel out there I like to watch called Screen Crush. And he goes over a lot of like, uh, here are some Easter eggs or maybe some stuff you didn't notice from this movie or episodes of The Mandalorian or episodes of Loki and that kind of junk. So I watched it for this movie. The guy at the beginning, that injects savant with his little bomb and he, he leans into him and he goes, good dog. That guy, that, that's, that's John Ostrander. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really cool.
3: I saw that he had a cameo in this because it was actually, uh, his stories that, um, gun wanted to do. So like, that was actually kind of a cool thing.
2: There were a lot of freaking cameos in that movie.
3: Can I say Most my of them I missed. by far was Nathan Fillion's? Like, I well, totally yeah, had Nathan no Fillions idea he was the best. He,
2: I had no idea he was actually in the movie at all. Yeah. Well, and that was apparently a character that they created for the movie. I mean, he was insane enough that I just assumed he was a DC character. He was the best. I love that. So let's let's talk about let me go through the through the quick synopsis real quick. All right. So according to Wikipedia, intelligence officer Amanda Waller sends two Task Force X teams consisting of Belle Reeve penitentiary penitentiary inmates to the South American island nation of Corto Maltese after its government is overthrown by an anti-American regime. In exchange for a lighter sentence, the squads are tasked with destroying Jotunheim, a Nazi-era laboratory that holds a secretive experiment known as Project Starfish. One team, led by Colonel Rick Flag, is almost entirely killed by the Corto-Maltese military upon arriving. But the distraction they cause allows the second team, comprising of Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Rat Catcher II, to enter the country undetected. After finding flag at a base camp for rebel soldiers, the squad convinces re- rebellion leader Saul Soria to assist them. Meanwhile, first team survivor Harley Quinn is taken prisoner by the Corto Maltese government who are plotting to use Project Starfish against other nations. All right. Let's take a pause there and let's talk about that, that part of the movie, the first part. Because for me, all right. So going into this movie, we knew who all these characters were going to be. I mean, if you are on the internet, you've been introduced to them through, he had, they had videos out there that was like the roll call. And I remember thinking, Holy crap. There are a lot of people in this freaking movie. How are they going to juggle all of these people? And the moment they landed on the beach and, uh, they had the D day scene. Yeah. Blackguard. Is that his name? He stands up and he's like, Hey, Hey everybody. I'm the one who called you, and the the crap just hit the fan. I thought, oh, okay, these guys are the distraction. So, so counter to that,
3: I actually didn't see any of the roll call mm. videos leading up to it. I, of course, knew uh, Flag was back, Boomer was back, Harley Quinn was back, um, I knew Eldris Iba was supposed to be the new Shot, but they've since retcon that because they're wanting to do the whole Idris Elba, Dead uh, Will Smith, and uh, um, um, uh, Deathstroke, uh, Joe Man- Manganiello, uh, Joe Manganiello's. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're wanting to put all three of them in a movie, so I'm actually That'd really be- excited about that. Be- uh, at least Smith and Elba reprising blood sport and uh dead shot which would be actually awesome because of the first movie will smith is probably one of the better him he was probably him and boomer were probably about the two bright spots about the movie um quinn wasn't bad in my opinion i yeah. feel like the solo outing in birds of prey and then this one has definitely Done a lot for her character versus that first movie. Uh but yeah, I I only knew like the main ones from the first movie were coming back. I didn't know anything about Weasel. I like I said, uh knew Cena was part of it, but I didn't know who he was playing. And when I heard the name Peacemaker, I honestly thought the cowboy vigilante vigilante. Right. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's the first thing that comes to my mind is oh, Peacemaker. That just he's, sounds like a wild western character from He's DC. one of
2: those uh Charlton characters uh that yes. DC bought with Blue Beetle and Captain Adam and the question. Those were all Charlton characters. Is Vigilante a part of those two or no? I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I just saw an in-house ad for when Charlton was coming over to DC. I know it's Blue Beetle question, Captain Adam. Peacemaker and I, I, I don't remember the rest. But I don't think the one hundred is one of them.
3: I think mm-hmm. the one hundred
2: mm-hmm. was part of it. Maybe. Maybe I'm not as like I said, I'm not as first in, in, in DC. Let's let's talk about what for me during this first part of the movie was the saddest moment. And that was and 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 for you know, I, I will probably I probably will say have said this during the intro, but spoilers ahoy. Captain Boomerang. I was so upset when they killed him off because he was one of my favorites from that first movie. Yes, and he's always been well until Brad Meltzer got a hold of him in Identity Crisis. He was always somewhat of a joke in the in the world of DC. Um, I mean, oh, goodness gracious, a- Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad. Captain boomerang is awesome in that as well which but, which movie is that no the tom Taylor's suicide squad run in d c comics oh if you've not read it, you need to find it it just the trade just came out not that long ago it is most excellent but uh yeah captain boomerang and nathan nathan philian's character t d k uh the uh god what did that stand for the uh The The, detachable uh, kid. (laughs) The detachable kid. That moment where his arms come off and just very ineffectually slap at the faces and heads of those soldiers. That was was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in a movie. I'm not going to lie.
3: I'm glad Teresa was asleep for the entire first 10 minutes of that movie last night when I watched it. (laughs) I could not stop laughing the entire time of the D-Day scene, especially once they took Weasel and... Rick Flagg is like, did anybody see if they could, if Weasel could swim?
2: Yep, yep.
3: And then Yondu has to save him. I mean, Savant.
2: See, all right. So <clears throat> a lot of these characters I was not familiar with. I know who Bloodsport is because he was, uh, he was in John Byrne's Superman run. John Byrne. uh mm-hmm brought him in. He was, he was created by John Byrne. He looked, he looked totally different. Um, yeah, so he I looked, looked more, more
3: modernized.
2: Yeah. Harley Quinn, Rick Flagg, of course, Captain Boomerang. Had no idea who Javelin, never heard of the Weasel, never heard of, well, actually, Blackguard. I had no idea who that was until I saw somebody talk about him on, um, He's, he's, on he's part of channel. the 100. Yeah, he's yeah, part of he the was,
3: 100. He's like a he, booster
2: gold. Yeah, and, he was a booster uh, gold. And I, I do kind of remember him. He was really silly looking. Um, I I didn't know who. Um, I knew who Peacemaker was. I'd heard of Rat Catcher, but wasn't really all that familiar. Uh, Javelin, no clue. Savant apparently is a Batman villain of some sort. Never heard of him before. Um, he's
3: basically the way it sounds like he's bas- basically Batman yeah it's he was like an old vigilante that
2: got caught i was both delighted and disappointed with that whole intro that whole first part of the movie because they introduce these characters that are all delightfully bad uh very funny the whole moment with uh blackguard on the airplane thinking that he's sitting next to a werewolf the whole conversation with uh when they asked TDK, what, what does that stand for? And he goes, TDK that's, just that's means name. me. He goes, what, your name? Are, your name's letters? And Boomerang's like, everybody's all... names are letters. It's great stuff. But then they all freaking die.
3: And it was so disappointing. I really actually pissed off about the Boomer death. Yeah, I just, Nathan I really Fillion, that- Nathan Fillion, I knew was probably going to be an instant death as soon as I saw him across the screen. Yeah. until they give us him as hal jo- jordan in the dceu then he's, he's not he, going to he's not going to be a staple in the movies he's, he's, he's just he's going too, to be a fanboy
2: he's too old to play hal jordan at this point i think i think he's i don't i i can see him about playing older, old,
3: how about i can older see him playing hal old
2: jordan. Hal, that is like maybe a uh let's let's bring john okay here you go Are you ready for this let's stop idris alba as Bloodsport. Let's make him John Stewart, Green Lantern. And Nathan Fillion can be Hal Jordan who's just kind of teaching him the ropes because he's getting ready to hang up the ring. Boom. Done it. It's done. That wouldn't be bad. I mean,
3: modest the fact that Alba is now unfortunately taken. I know. I know. But I mean, not in a bad way.
2: Right. No. I really... I Honestly, uh, my two favorite characters in the whole movie well, because I really did like King Shark, but Bloodsport <laughs> and Harley Quinn were probably my two favorite. I would have movie. to
3: say that I would have to say that uh, Harley Quinn's story in this one, especially with her and Flag, whole yeah. story arc that that was a lot of. I mean, I feel like they showed more growth on Quinn's part and more of that whole. I used to be smart and, you know, very talented gymnast. Yeah. Yes, I am pulling up the Wolverine's origin pronunciation
2: of gymnast. 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 Oh, you didn't feel John Cena's a- Peacemaker was so good, too. That whole, <laughs> the whole scene, since we're just talking about this first part of the movie, the whole scene where they have to go rescue Flag and they're killing the all of those soldiers. Under- yeah, He's not. He's he, yeah. We find out he's not a prisoner. He's actually with friends, uh, but they mm-hmm. still go through that entire encampment and kill everyone they meet. The, and then the, him and Bloodsport have a freaking pissing yeah, contest. Yeah, they're like trying to one up each other. Really good, really good stuff. It's
3: only, it's only showing off unless it's if it's not
2: cooler than what he, what you're doing. Yeah. Damn it, that's true. That's true. <laughs> That uh I, I will say real quick, um, here's something about movies that always rubs me the wrong way. All of Bloodsport's weapons, it always annoys me when somebody in a movie takes something that's like the size of, you know, a, like, like a half a pack of cards and it unfolds to become a big pistol or it just that just that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. I don't know why. It never feels real to me. It never it feels like they're just creating weapons out of nothing and it, that kind of stuff. You know, like a uh, the a good first example was remember the ver- the first Batman movie with Michael Keaton and he puts the shields on the on the Batmobile and suddenly all this metal just pops out of nowhere and covers the Batmobile. That kind of stuff just drives me crazy for some reason. I lost you. I lost you. I lost you. Yeah, you're walking around. What are you doing? Uh, I thought thought maybe you were getting uh, up to find a piece of technology that's a small block of metal that suddenly transforms into a giant weapon. I mean, I could find one. No, that's okay. That's the only thing about the movie that really kind of... I mean, I... What?
3: I... I do feel you yeah, on that point, though, too, is that they did try too hard to make something cool for the movie that just seemed unrealistic. And it just kind of, I don't know, I enjoyed it because it's like the whole idea of blood sports thing in the first place with the comic background of him having weapons that only he can use.
2: Yeah, so I'm not saying it's not cool. It's just sometimes it just drives me crazy. Oh you know? uh, yeah. But it is James Gunn and I mean
3: look at what he did with uh Rocket Raccoons uh yeah. giant uh, giant yep. bazooka Giant bazooka and
2: uh whatchamacallit, Guardian one? Yeah, he did the same thing there. It's just, you know, he'll 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 grab something off his chest, it's like the size of a freaking thing, a lipstick, and, and and boom, it's it's a pistol. And then he adds another piece to it and it's a bigger pistol. Then he adds a third piece, and it's a giant freaking rifle. It just—it was both cool and annoying at the same time. I, I, I can't really explain it.
3: No, I agree. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, it does take a little bit of the disbelief out, which is I think that's where the whole thing with uh, Marvel and DC movies are coming that have a giant disparity in between them. Marvel movies feel a little bit more grounded, realistic, like Winter Soldier. I mean, Winter Soldier, there really wasn't much besides the helicarriers that were like way, way too outlandish of a vehicle. And even then, that's not that far. Whereas DCEU movies, we've got, I mean... The cameras that uh, Will Smith implements in the first Deadshot mo- or the first Suicide Squad movie. Uh, the bat that is actually stronger than steel, apparently. So, it's just a little bit different expectations versus uh, movies, depending on what you're talking about, with practical, real-life weapon applications.
2: Yeah, but they, it's it's... They just do that in, in, in everything. I can't tell you how many movies I see where somebody just grabs a handle off of their costume and a frickin' like thirteen inch blade unfolds out of it. That just drives me crazy for some reason. But let's just let's just get beyond that. Let's get beyond that for a second. Is there anything else about that first part of the movie that you feel we need to talk about? Uh
3: the distraction was like that whole scene was just well orchestrated and I believe Gunn just did an amazing job of setting us up with one team getting us to get involved in the first 10 minutes only to be like oh wait what's going on on the north side of the beach oh wait it's the wall being the wall
2: yeah because he just he literally introduces you to all these characters and you're like oh these guys are fun and then oh they all die you know and you're like, what the crap? What is this that we're watching? And then that's when you realize, oh, okay. It's all, here's the real team that we need to be following, which uh I love the team. I mean, whoever thought the polka dot man <laughs> would make a great character on the silver screen? He was freaking funny. The, the other thing I want to say real quick about this first part, the, one of the reasons I loved Bloodsport so much is that, like everybody on his team to a certain extent is just crazy. They, they have a different outlook on life than he does. And he just seems to be annoyed all the, whenever somebody says something crazy, he just gets so annoyed. And I, like, and I just found that so funny. Rat
3: catcher is
2: Ratcatcher with the
3: exception of Harley Quinn is super positive outlook on life. Yeah. Uh, just kind of, just kind of your regular, like, millennial kid which you know whatever
2: (laughs) and then Amanda Waller of course is just as evil as the rest of them when it comes down to it
3: and she I mean that's something that's always been a thing with the wall is just she's just she's gonna shake her hand while plotting your downfall in the other
2: the the problem though is that in the first movie I didn't I didn't feel so much this in this movie, but that first movie, I just did not like her at all. There was nothing about her. She was really good. She was a great character. Viola Davis is awesome, but the, the character, there was nothing about her that made me redemption. Yeah. There was nothing about her that, that, and, and there's not really in this movie either, but she, it's all, it's like, she wasn't, she wasn't as bad. I guess even she, though she was it's it's really weird to explain I would say that in this one it kind of showed
3: what links she's willing to go yeah um go for in order to actually achieve what she wants to achieve uh the first one it just kind of was a thing where it was just like oh yeah by the way she gets trapped and then they have to go save her, and she's pulling the strings the entire time and pisses off Will Smith, like, yeah. But yeah, oh. this one, I... More behind the scenes kind of yeah.
2: trinary, and... And her her team, like the administrators, the computer people, just... <laughs> those those folks were so funny, because they're just the such Deadpool. office the drones. The Deadpool at the
3: yeah, the Deadpool at the beginning of the movie, that was kind of funny, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. They, you know, it's like they don't, they don't, they don't really live in the same world as Amanda Waller or the, the people that are going in to do the, to do the jobs. But they know, they, you know, they, they know a little bit about the world, but they obviously don't live in that world.
3: Well, and that's evident with the, uh, with the, uh. Last in uh, credit scene too, where the uh, where yeah. the two of them are getting saddled with Peacemaker, and they're just like, "Oh, damn. now did you
2: did you know they're making a, a HBO Max I Peacemaker did. series?" Yeah, I did. Which middle of the movie when
3: Bloodsport and uh, uh, Peacemaker have the duel and it ends I'm like sitting there thinking I know Cena has signed on for a yeah. show so is Again, it his origin entire, you know? it's like yeah this entire time I'm like how like how is this going to tie in and then I'm just sitting there like oh at the end I'm like oh he pretty much hates life so much that he stayed alive
2: yeah alright let's talk about the second part real quick here uh, the squad accomplishes their next objective of capturing the thinker a metahuman scientist in charge of Project Starfish, while joined by Harley when she escapes the Corto Maltese government. Breaking into Jotunheim, most of the squad rigs the ground floor with explosives as Flag and Ratcatcher 2 enter the underground laboratory with the Thinker. They discover Project Starfish to be Staro the Conqueror, a giant alien that spawns smaller versions of itself to take control of its victims' bodies. The Thinker reveals that Staro was brought to Earth by the American government, who have been secretly funding the experiments on Corto Maltese for decades. Peacemaker, under secret orders to cover up America's involvement, kills Flag after he refuses to surrender a hard drive containing evidence of this revelation. Meanwhile, a skirmish between the squad and the Corto Maltese military leads to Polka Dot Man accidentally setting off the explosives prematurely. Ratcatcher 2 obtains the drive from Peacemaker, and Bloodsport saves her by shooting Peacemaker. Let's just let's just get through the rest of this. Starro escapes the laboratory, kills the thinker, and much of the military, and begins taking control of the island's population. Waller informs the squad that their mission is complete, but Bloodsport leads his teammates in battling Starro, while Waller's subordinates prevent her from executing the squad. Polka Dot Man is killed, which was so sad. But Harley pierces a hole in Staro's eye, which was totally gross, allowing Crackcatcher 2 to summon the rat, the city's rats to chew Staro to death from the inside. The battle draws the Corto Maltese military away from the capital, allowing Soria to take control of the government, which she pledges to reform using the drive at, oh, and using the drive as leverage, Bloodsport forces Waller to release him and his surviving teammates in exchange for keeping its contents confidential. And they are airlifted out of quarto Maltese. So, yeah, um, the, the scene where they're going, well, the whole Harley Quinn scene within the palace was great. The moment I I'll, I'll admit, I watched this with my daughters. Um, I warned them that it was rated R, uh, that there would be a lot of F words. I was not expecting the, the, the moment with the PP. And the moment with the, the woman's chest. But neither of them caught either of those two moments. So that's good. Wait, they were what? quite shocked today when I, when I was telling my wife about the, the guy showing his PP And they're like, what? We didn't see that. It's like, well, it was kind of in the back. You didn't catch it either? Wait. All uh... right. So when, they are, when, when they're going to, quote, unquote, rescue flag and they're going through the encampment, killing everybody. There's a moment where there's a guy waking up in a tent. Like it, It's not right in front of the screen. He's kind of back there. And I think it's when I think it's when a uh, peacemaker it is during the, the... arts. Mm-hmm. And he kind of the guy kind of stands up and he's just wearing a T-shirt and no pants. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah, yeah. And, he, I and, saw, he stretches, I... and I was like, well, that's was not expecting my young daughters to see that. <laughs> but they claim they didn't catch it. So,
3: yeah. I don't
2: remember. But, uh, the moment where Harley Quinn murders the president of Quarto Maltese because she has made a promise to herself due to past relationships with crazy men to look for red flags. And when a red flag comes up, she's promised herself to murder the fella. And the killing of children is a big red flag. My youngest, uh, who's almost about to turn 16 decided at that moment that Harley Quinn was her hero.
3: (laughs) See, and this is why I said, I believe that this had a really good overall story for Quinn is because it showed, showed her having that kind of thought process. We see a little bit of it in the first suicide squad movie. She, it's that whole thing with the Joker. Yeah. Um, and brainwashed like he uses her tricks against her and it just kind of goes like that, unfortunately. And then towards the end of that movie and then throughout all of birds of prey, you see her start to think about it and kind of make the decision. And that's why I'm like this really good story arc building for her. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, uh, a good moment to show, hey, Harley Quinn is not just a sex fiend that is totally obsessed with the Joker. And I also am thinking this, too, because I've been watching the Harley Quinn TV show on. Yeah, I haven't watched uh, that. I need to watch that. I hear it's really good. I, I It's a little I love grown you, up. man. I, I love you, man. But you did not like it when. When,
2: uh, Cyborg Custom, uh, Justice I, League, I, I know, up. I know, I know, I'm getting kind of beyond that. It's, you know, you gotta understand that growing up, my first introduction to DC comics, heck, my first real introduction to superheroes in general was the old Super Friends cartoon. And DC comics has always been that in my heart. So when Marvel yes. came, yes. On, when I started reading Marvel comics, I was uh, maybe 13 or 14. So their more quote unquote mature themes in the eighties. Uh, didn't bother me. I was ready for that. But when DC does it, it's like, no, nah, not my Superman, not in my Superman see, comics. You can't put Superman see, next to somebody who says the S word, but you I'm say here. that you say that.
3: And then we got realized that my first introduction to the DC universe as a whole was Tim Burton's Batman, yeah, uh, the Batman animated series, which is one of the best animated TV shows of all time, depicting the Cape Crusader, Crusader, uh, because it shows him as an actual detective, um, and but it's more of that dark theme that has kind of crept its way back into. The DC comic world versus Marvel kind of, they kind of, they kind of went different directions almost, it seems like. Uh, And a lot of that does have to unfortunately do with the way that they're portrayed in videos nowadays. Um, The Marvel cinematic universe has definitely gotten a lot, when it started out really, really hopeful and then towards, civil war winter soldier they started to add a little bit more darker themes um and it and it worked really well for them because they had that hope in the beginning and then it just went down i think with the dc world is as much as i love christopher nolan's filmmaking magnificent filmmaker right there cinematography is great uh jj abrams use cites him for some of the reasons why he does what he does with a lot of the realism and stuff like that we got a more grounded vigilante that could exist in our world nowadays and it just kind of that dark sense of righteousness to have to always carry the burdens alone definitely has there's been no hope at the beginning of any of the DCEU films or DC films since eighty nine I of the live action movies. Yeah. Like let's face it, uh um, Superman Man of Steel reboot back in what was it, 2013?
2: 2012 twenty. I'm bad with
3: that. whatever Man of, So what we see from Man of Steel is that same continuation that we had from the Dark Knight trilogy. It was just kind of there was no hope. Yeah. And then Every time we get some hope it it really just kind of then craters and it and it's hard to pull out some of that storytelling, which i think dc the DCEU now is starting to turn things around a little bit aquaman uh the first suicide squad movie, not so much but a little bit more um and the Aquaman movie. A lot more uplifting. Oh, and Wonder Woman, like the first Wonder Woman movie. Great examples of hope always being there throughout the entirety of the film. Not digging up out of it and then watching it climax and then we get a another brooding superhero. Yeah. Which, I don't know why, I just went on that entire long of a thing, but I think just, I'm
2: still going to give that, that Harley Quinn show a, a shot though. Um. That's why. That's why whether, we went down this. Whether or not I let my daughters watch it, I don't. I, I don't know. You just yet. No. I'll have to give it a try. No. Yeah, no. I've heard. I've heard some bad stuff. I, I mean, bad as, as in to... naughty, naughty stuff from that show.
3: Frank the Plant has a butt.
2: All right. Well, that's Frank the, one thing the Plant has are a butt. Okay.
3: And it's 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 quite hilarious. I I do also like that they do a little bit better job of showing Harley's past as a gymnast and a, uh, a, a actual brilliant psychiatrist yeah. which I think the, a lot of the DCEU films have completely glossed over Yeah, which is why I'm glad that in this one she had the kind of thought of hey, you're going to kill kids I don't like that anymore yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've already, I've already been with one psycho boyfriend. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that again. And I love once she escapes and just her going through the presidential palace, just mowing down all these guards. And then suddenly she sees, you know, there's all these flowers and cartoon birds and whatnot. And it's like, this is what she sees. This is this is what Harley sees when she's, you know, this is this is the world. That she lives in. I just found that very interesting that she's, you know, just brutally killing all these soldiers. But, uh, she's also in, in, in her mind, it's, you know, there's flowers and, and, and cartoon birds. And like maybe she's some kind of just butt kicking Disney princess or something, you know, in her mind. I so really enjoyed it.
3: So she's Rapunzel from Tangled. Exactly. So. Back to the movie. This whole movie kind of reminded me of Justice League in the episode for the man who, if you recall that, you know, that episode, Wonder Woman and Batman go see um, Superman at the Fortress of Solitude and Mongol has taken him prisoner with the oh, Black the, Mercy.
2: Yeah, that's based on a comic might yeah. even be based on an Alan Moore story. It is. I yeah. actually
3: have it pulled up right now.
2: Um, so, is
3: Starro and the Black Mercy the same idea?
2: Starro Starro's been around forever. Starro <clears throat> was in the first appearance of the Justice League back in the Silver Age. That was the first thing the Justice League went up against. And I don't know how often Starro has appeared in the comics. I feel like Starro was around during the Giffen, uh, Maguire, DeMatteis, Justice League days, post-crisis. I seem to remember a storyline with Starro in there, but Starro has been around for a while. Starro is old school. (laughs) Yeah. And Starro, uh, I have to admit that whole storyline behind Starro that when, so at the end, let's just skip to the end real quick. We can bounce around. We don't have to follow this thing chronologically. But when they finally defeat Starro, and Starro is dying, and he tells them I was happy floating in space, looking at the stars, and it's like that just tore my heart out at that point. Because
3: Well, I mean, it's just you, like anything else. Oh, yeah. Americans in space, yeah. we see something. You, okay, we're well, gonna take it. It's our humanity. That's just humanity
2: humanity in general. Hey, there's something we, we don't know anything about. Let's let's capture it and poke hey. a bunch of holes in it and try to figure it out that's hey jay jameson jr
3: we're on we're on the moon here uh there's this black rock let's bring that back to earth yeah. oh no black suit spider-man yeah
2: you that's know? not how it really happened i know i'm quoting the tv <laughs> show there <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> what did you think of the thinker <sighs>
3: He was funny. Peter Capaldi does a great great deal. However, yes. I just got done watching two seasons ago of The Flash where they introduced the thinker. Yeah. And I kind of feel bad because I didn't give Peter Capaldi's thinker an entire good chance because I'm sitting there thinking... I watched this in a flash TV show of how he becomes the thinker and all like how how the thinker is totally doing it. It's completely different than what they did in this movie. I liked him. I'm not going to say anything bad against him. I just for some reason, I had that hard time trying
2: to separate them. I get it. I love the way he dressed. The first time we see him, he's in a tracksuit. And yeah, the yeah, the time good old him, tuxedo. Yeah, he's wearing like a freaking suit jacket with a Hawaiian shirt underneath it. And uh the moment where Ratcatcher 2 threatens to uh it's like <laughs> how would you like a bunch of angry rodents climbing up your bun and he's like you may not like the, you may not expect the answer you get the answer you're expecting.
3: I'm sure you're a huge fan of Capaldi on there as well because, you know, he, was,
2: I, I'll be honest, he, when he first showed up as Doctor Who, I didn't like him at first. Uh, he grew on me, though. He was, he was a very curmudgeonly Doctor Who, which once I realized his thing was, you know, Matt Smith was all optimism and happiness and, and unless you did something wrong, and then he got really angry. But Peter Cam- Capaldi was just cranky. And that's, once I, once I uh got that, this cranky Scotsman I just fell in love with him. He's he's still not my favorite. He's probably my second, but really enjoyed him as Doctor Who.
3: Mm-hmm. And I like I said, I didn't mind him as the thinker. Um, really not bad, but just unfortunately, it's just a different thinker than what
2: I'm used to. Yeah. All right, uh, King Shark. What'd you think of King Shark? cuz I think he's going to be the one that every you know the the the, the he's going to be the popular vote. I think when most people are really talking about this movie, I think that the two favorites are going to be Harley Quinn and King Shark.
3: I think you're right on that because it goes to the whole idea of oh, all these teams now have like a a fun animal sidekick and <laughs> with with the Guardians we had uh not only rocket we had group uh with the mandalorian it's um gorgu the um uh, baby yoda and then and yeah he's he's literally just there to be the idea like hey this is kind of funny to see an anamorphic shark coming around and it's it's funny i i enjoyed him although i didn't know who it was when the first time yeah. I watched it, yeah, until the credits, I think that was
2: kind of surprising. Um, you know, it's funny because the Sylvester Stallone doesn't really come out until all those re- weird alien fish things are biting him, and he's he's yelling in pain and anger. It's like that sounds like Rocky, you know? That's that's Sylvester Stallone. Everything oh! else, you, yeah, exactly. It's like everything else you can kind of separate Sylvester Stallone from King Shark, but that moment, it's like, all right, that's that's Sylvester Stallone. Um, yeah. You know, it's King funny, Shark. because some of my favorite King Shark moments are probably not what everybody else picks or, or are going to pick. I loved when they were driving the van or the bus through town, and he was and just in just the back like, looking out the window, looking at everybody, and just seemed really curious. That was one of my... Something about that I really liked, and then when they were all in the club, just that quiet moment—he's sitting out in the van, and he can kind of hear the music, and he's kind of bobbing his head to the music. That was one of my favorite moments. Um, yeah, I also no, liked his—I also liked his gut. He looked to me like a like a like an old beach bum, you know. So,
3: the funny thing is about this, and you'll see this if you go and watch the Harley Quinn TV show. Harley Quinn TV show and Suicide Squad both portray him more as a great white. Also, the Flash TV show does as well Mm -hmm. than an actual hammerhead, which we've seen him past incarnations in the comic as the hammerhead. Well, principal photography for the Suicide Squad movie and the Harley Quinn TV show did it at the exact same time without taking notes from each other. So it's actually interesting that both of the King sharks that we see are very similar to each other, except Harley Quinn is a little bit more intelligent, good with computers, that kind of thing, like actual King shark, whereas this is straight out of the sea King shark, still learning to be around people. Although my question is though, if we have King Shark, where is Grodd? I, I'm I'm waiting for Grodd.
2: Yeah, I've never really been all that impressed with Grodd, to be honest with you.
3: Well, I mean, who is? He's a he's 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 the villains villainish version of Amanda Waller. Yeah. He's behind the scenes, but. It's just King Shark Grind Fight is always going to be a good fight, no matter what.
2: I'd rather they bring in Solomon Grundy.
3: Well, I mean, I'm saying not saying they can't.
2: Yeah. Grundy is good. So King Shark did have a bit of an arc in this movie, mm-hmm. which was just simply he starts out not having friends, and then he has friends. That's his arc. <laughs> Just Fish are friends, not food. Yeah, that's right. Num-num. It's finding Nemo. That's what you're that's thinking the- about right now? No. Not num-num. Now, uh, let's talk about Polka Dot Man, who again uh, is not some. not the first name I think of when I'm thinking of who do Suicide I want squad. to be on a Suicide Squad team? Polka Dot Man. I mean-
3: Considering what he's been around since the late fifties, early sixties, and yeah. he's always been a joke. And he was
2: awesome in this movie. No, yeah. He they the whole uh, thing done, with him seeing everybody as his mom quite disturbing. Very disturbing. But
3: the like, you know? uh, King Shark mom version was hilarious. Oh god.
2: The first time he said when the first time he mentions his mom, when he's like, I don't like to kill people, but I just picture them as my mom and it makes it easy. And it's like, wow. Wow. You know? I turned them into my mom in my mind and I killed them. Yeah. yeah. And that moment. OK, so one of everybody's favorite moments from the first Avengers movie is Captain America telling Hulk Hulk smash. Yeah, I feel like some people are probably going to think that 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 moment in Suicide Squad where he tell where Bloodsport tells King Shark that Starro is Nom Nom, but no, I think it's the moment when he tells Polka Dot Man Man that that's his mom. (laughs) Take revenge. Yeah, that was awesome. And then again, another heartbreaking moment because then he. He fires his polka dots at the thing and he's like, gets, I'm a superhero. And you're like, yay. And then he dies. You know, he, he gets that moment where the which, whole reason he suffers and the whole reason he's crazy is cause his mom wanted him to be a superhero. So she put him through all this crap. And then he finally is like, I'm a superhero. Then he dies. That was just mean. Yes, but. It's still a polka dot man. You can't
3: bank on a franchise for the I polka know. dot
2: man. I, I, could, Which, I could watch a whole TV series about polka dot man. Probably. If it
3: was this polka dot man, maybe. Or at least
2: yeah, have not. him.
3: I like the idea that he's not a tech genius and the polka dots don't go into some extra thing, whatever his original gimmick yeah. was. It's a virus that sets people on fire or yeah. burns the hell out of people. That was cool. That was a cool way to introduce a character who has, for the longest time, been a joke as one of Batman's rogues, along with Calendar Man, Kite uh, Man, Catman, Kite Man. Okay. You leave Kite Man alone. (laughs) You need to watch Harley Quinn. You need to watch the Harley Quinn show because not only does it have Kite Man in it, it has Condiment King in it.
2: Oh, good lord condiment king was in the lego batman movie yes
3: and yeah and that's another thing i was going to say because that was the last time we saw ever had anything to do with polka dot man was the lego batman movie in the five minute introduction of the entirety of all of batman's rogues from the last 70 years
2: yeah so give me give me some of your favorite moments from the movie uh, weasel
3: jumping off the ship and dying <laughs> Nathan Fillion's entire 10 minute cameo that ugh. is just detaching his arms and then just going the uh, look on
2: his face when he's controlling those arms just this intense you like, know just <laughs> ugh, he's like classic. moving his
3: torso like he's actually uh, doing I it. follow um, him
2: on Instagram and before the movie came out he got a hold of like that, just that moment where they show his face and he's kind of moving his shoulders, you know, without his arms on him. He mm-hmm. he got that and looped it and it's on Instagram somewhere and it looks like he's dancing and it's just without any arms. It's the funniest thing.
3: Um, those are probably the two biggest things right off the bat. Um, I like, I really liked Harley Quinn's, uh, whole redemption storyline yeah. idea. of. Um, getting away from just being um, a pretty face and damsel in distress for the Joker. Um, and then Idris Elba coming around to actually being a leader was actually pretty good too. Yeah. What about you? What did you like about the movie?
2: Um, I, it just, everything about Idris Elba in this movie was, was probably some of my favorite stuff. I'm, I am deeply smitten with that man. Uh I'm always I've always been a big fan of Idris Elba. Uh I I don't think I need to watch I need to watch The Wire because I understand he's really good in that. Is that the show he's in? The Wire. I've never seen it. Have you ever seen The Wire? Yeah, bits and pieces a long time yeah. ago. But uh big big fan. A big fan of his. Everything I've seen him in, I've always enjoyed him in. Um the 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 way they take out Starro was really quite gross, but you know, how else were they gonna do that with who they have on the team? Uh it yeah, made total sense. The the whole the the quick little thing with um Ratcatcher two and her dad, played by uh I'm never I never get his name right. Seven episodes. Uh, Watiti Takia Watiti. Uh is that how you say his name?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. The, you know, the director who saved Thor.
2: Yes. Um, I love that little quick little moment when she's like, why rats, dad? And You know, they're the most despised creatures on Earth, so if they have purpose, then so do we all.
3: Uh, very, Like I said, she's very positive and upbeat.
2: Yeah. Probably more so than Quinn. The whole Peacemaker thing, um, did not see that coming where he had the sign mission and then he ends up. I mean, man, they killed Flag. That bothered me, even though, from what I understand, he did die in the comics and he did die in Jotunheim. So, mm-hmm. Flag and
3: Flag and Boomer losing those two. That yeah. one just because of how big of an a hole Jai Courtney was in the first movie and then coming back and they gave him upgraded boomerangs this time. And it just goes to waste or.
2: Yeah. uh, That was, that was a big downer moment for me because I did. He was one of the things I really liked about that first movie. And to know that he was in this movie, I was really excited. And then, yeah, he doesn't even make it past the first five minutes. I also liked all of the little tricks that they did with the, like the captions, you know, when they would show, um, yes. Yeah. All the, you know, three weeks earlier that, that kind of stuff. That was, that was really fun though. I, I will admit the, when they, it really confused me when they did the flashback to catch us up to where, where they were on the beach and they, they do the thing with the, like all the, the driftwood and the vegetation on the beach blowing together to show the word now. I didn't understand I was what rats. was going on at first. I, I thought, thought it was, it was rats. rats. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, why are the rats spelling out the word now? And then, oh, okay. This is another one of his captions. Because he did it with the blood. In the, in the ocean. In. And then the, the soap suds on the toilet. Um, yeah, there was just so much about this movie to like. And it was the the first time through, I'll admit uh, the, the whole stuff with Harley in the palace with the, with the president leading up to her shooting him. I felt the first time through dragged, but did not feel that way the second time through, which is kind of weird.
3: Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's just a Harley side side mission. We got like, Hey, Come be my wife, you're anti American, like we could use you to rally behind and then no um, then yeah. yeah that first time yeah you you said it right, it dragged. Here's the one thing, and you're gonna slap me silly for saying this. You know the one thing that this movie missed? What? Batfleck. Batfleck. Like I I wanted Batfleck to show up. Oh at Batfleck, some- okay. Batflack to show up at some point during that end scene and like be like she, he's he was the reason that she didn't end up killing Idris Alba, not her minions took her golf club to yeah. the back
2: of her head. I love nah, yeah, I disagree. I love that part when she smacked on oh, no. the back of the head with that I loved golf club. It. I love She just it, but took I was, charge.
3: I was just expecting some kind of Ben Affleck cameo as Batman just because we got that from the first movie. Like at the end of the first movie, it's like, maybe you shouldn't work so late. And it's like, well, if
2: you keep having these teams, me and my friends are going to show up and stop you. Well, but back then they were still trying to tie everything together. And now Mm -hmm. they're at that point where they're just like, look, they're just separate movies. We're not really, we're not really interested because they they were really trying to do the Marvel thing back then. And now they're just, they're not interested in doing that right now. They're just interested in making. Yeah, exactly. They, it failed. It's so. It it did. It failed big time. They, they, I think they didn't, they didn't want to take the same route. I feel like they just said.
3: They wanted to go. They wanted to streamline it a lot faster than what the MCU did. MCU throughout Iron Man.
2: It Hold. took them 10 years to Iron get to Avengers.
3: Endgame. It, get, it took us 10 years to get to Endgame. And it was worth it. I mean, look at the quality of movies. Not one of the um, Marvel movies really felt like a superhero movie. Uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2 both felt like a redemption story of a drunk billion billionaire playboy yep. philanthropist that's trying to overcome... His family name, uh, Winter Soldier, Spy Thriller, beautiful, well done, didn't feel like a superhero movie in the sense of a Tim Burton Batman film or a Christopher Reeve Superman film. Like Those were like superhero movies, straight out superhero. We're going to do redonkulous things right off the bat, get you to fall in love with it. Iron Man. Okay, you have this drunk a-hole that is going to build a suit. Seems a little bit plausible. We have the technology to do it. Okay, whatever. But you get that story of redemption. All of the DC movies I felt like are, hey, we've got this super superhuman person. Let's just make him not be able to do anything. Like, Let's just make a movie I, solely around that.
2: I always pictured... There was one day in some Warner Brothers boardroom meeting or something, and somebody, one of the big wigs, was like, "Did you hear how much money this Avengers movie made?" Oh, Oh, two thousand twelve. You know, it was like two thousand twelve. They're like, "Do you hear how much money this Avengers movie made?" Why aren't we doing that? And somebody was like, "Well, we could, but you understand, it took them four years between Iron Man to Avengers, and they introduced." You know, the four years and I don't know how many movies to get to that point. And the guy was like, nah, I'm not interested in doing that. Let's just do it now. What do we got? This uh, Batman V Superman movie coming out. Let's just plug a whole bunch of Justice League stuff into that. So
3: DCEU started in 2013 with Man of Steel. And we and with since 2013, the movies were 2013 We had Man of Steel, Superman right out the gate, whatever. Everybody loves the big boy, big blue Boy Scout. I, I know you do too. Well, yeah, he's my favorite. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm more of the bat, like actual Batman where he's actually detective, not, Oh, I'm Batman. I have, I have a contingency plan for everything. Um, and then three years later, three years later, we have Donna Justice. Four years and Donna Justice and Suicide Squad um apart, almost three months apart, almost
2: four months apart. And that's, uh, I think, when they started trying to let's just throw a whole bunch of stuff because there was that moment in Batman v Superman where it's like. Let's just quickly show a bunch of stuff about the Flash and Aquaman and, you know, get them in there. Yeah, let's Bring just him get in. him in there, man. Let's just get him in there. We don't need
3: to have their own movies. And Suicide Squad did the exact same thing. Um, showed more picture or more um, clips of Ben Affleck as Batman, Bruce Wayne, rocking around, chasing uh, Deadshot, chasing Harley Quinn and Joker. Uh, not to mention, then we have the Flash in there for like two seconds when he captures Boomer. So it's just like they tried way too hard right off the beginning and it and it just they, they hit it to way too it. hard they and didn't it did have not. the
2: patience that marvel did but at the same time i think one thing that marvel had going for it was that they you know when when frickin iron man came out they were not owned by disney they didn't have the backing of disney behind them so they could not just their jump entire into it those thing feet. yeah their
3: entire thing hinged on John Favreau and RDJ, who hadn't been in a movie in what yeah. five years a, prior to that because of alcohol abuse and stuff no. like that. It it came down to two of the oldest bro, one of the oldest bromances in um, Hollywood at that time, which was Kevin Feige, uh, John Favreau, and RDJ. Like those three had been. Together, several times in the
2: past, and Iron Man uh, certainly was not a popular comic book character at the time. No, no. And
3: another thing, and I and I've told you this extensively beforehand too of what I've thought. Um, my whole idea of the Big Bang Theory theory, Big Bang Theory started in what? Let me see here. theory uh season one of the big bang theory was september 24 2007 yes they started producing that right a year or during principal photography and stuff of the first iron man movie. but the success of that show helped build the success of the mcu mainly because of all of the comic book that comic book culture came back to a head because of Iron Man, because of Big Bang Theory. And now that we're past Big Bang Theory, which ended on May 16th of 2019, we're now in that. Okay. Cause that's right after that was right before we got, that was right after we got in game, I believe was 2019, I think, but like now we're just kind of disney did phases 1 through 3 they made their money phases 4 now and on it's a whole different game they don't they're not making these movies to make superhero movies because they got into that niche and they they succeeded whereas dc came way too late because they could not get anything started and I and I feel like they had the perfect setup to do things with the Dark Knight. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder from the mid to late two thousands. They had a perfectly opportunity to jump onto it the same way, but we died the Dark Knight trilogy. And then after the Dark Knight trilogy, that's when we got that's when we got the DCEU in the middle of DC or MCU's final phase, we get DC coming out swinging and it's just like, Oh my God, Warner brothers, you gave us another Superman backstory. You're going to give us a Batman's backstory too, because it's, it's like one of those things like Spider-Man, Batman, origin story is so well known it's like beating a dead horse oh no know?
2: I just lost Arthur there for a second oh, so um <clears throat> what was I saying yeah the, the Batman origin is like beating a dead horse or a couple of dead it wings the, oh
3: oh and then just seeing it again in Batman versus Superman, we're all tired of it. Um, we're all tired of the Superman origin story. I mean, we haven't had a really good Superman origin story since Christopher Reeve's Superman, but that's just one of those things. It's like, we've been force fed a lot of the, especially those of us who in the nerd community know all of this. And, you know, being from Kansas, being a native to Kansas, we know Superman's origin just as well as we know the wizard of Oz. It seems like. Yeah. And I get people coming up that like kids, your daughters, uh, Palin's age. Um, they, they never had all of that. And man, of seal doesn't exactly give it to you. Like it, like it sometimes does but at the same time it's just it it just doesn't It I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of some of the DCEU stuff is how late they were to the game and how much they just throw at you yep. to make you think oh wait this is what we need we need to make sure you all know Batman gets scared of a movie, or Batman and his parents walk down the bad alley after a movie because whatever reason, and it's Bruce's fault, or a giant capsule falls from the sky and it's got a baby in it, like oh my God, or yeah, now I do have to say Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie giving us her backstory was actually a breath of fresh air and mm-hmm. um, aquaman same like those are two lesser known characters that you don't actually get and like i said and i still say it's we're all past like i said it's just since um big bang theory is no longer on the show or no longer there the idea of this nerd culture has it lived its 10-year decade 10, 10 plus year decade of awesomeness and it's still going to be there it's just going to fade back a little bit and dcu is like oh my god we gotta cash in on this right now and yeah it's they're not going to it's unfortunately i think and honestly the shakeup over hbo max with the merger of discovery um the rock not publicly admitting that he wants the snyder first re- restored but it's well known to a bunch of his group that he wants the snyder verse, like i feel like in a couple of months probably sometime next year honestly once the merger is complete and uh, a lot of the heads over at dc's um, thing are going to probably unfortunately roll because they're going to realize what's going to bring them money versus what's not. And all of this outcry from, uh, the Justice League original release versus the Snyder Cut versus, um, James Gunn saying he got so much creative freedom with his Suicide Squad movie versus David Ayers. And like, until we have some sort of level headedness over at DC that we've had at Marvel for the last 12, 13 years, I unfortunately don't think that DC will be as successful in the movies until, and like I said, and but like, nothing wrong with casting black Superman. Don't get me wrong. This Henry Cavill still had some films left on his DC contract. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, let's do this. Let's just completely forget about Henry Cavill's Superman in regards to this. And then it's just like, like why? Like, this is I mean, the I- inconsistency that we're getting over at DC I know they're not trying to like straight up replace Henry Cavill as Superman with black Superman, but it just, it's just another one of those decisions. Like you're scratching your head saying what happened?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm going to, I'm going to always watch anything. I think that DC puts out whether or not I'll like it. I don't know. Um, the, 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 this new Superman from what I understand is based off of, uh, A Tom Taylor story, which I haven't read. I need to look into it, but I've loved everything Tom Taylor's ever written that I've that I've read. Um, I think the thing that frustrates me about DC at this point is that. Their dirty laundry has been aired. Well, I think it's just that at, at this point they could they could easily create their own version of, you know, they could create their own. DC cinematic universe and have it be cohesive and do the same thing that Marvel's doing just with DC characters. They just don't seem to be interested in doing that right now. And that's fine. I, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I think eventually uh, at some point they may, like you said, I think they're going to sit down. They're going to go, okay, let's go ahead and give this a, let's go ahead and give this a shot um, and get our own, franchise thing, rolling because let's face it, they're freaking D.C. They're the home of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman.
3: You know? They have some it's, of the biggest shame.
2: names in the game. They it's have like
3: the biggest names in the game. And the movies, some of them have been good. Some of them have just fallen flat. Wonder Woman, first Wonder Woman movie, I absolutely loved. I watched 84 the other day.
2: I haven't seen it. I've heard bad things.
3: It's... So, you know the biggest complaint from Age of Ultron, what we've got from uh, uh, Black Widow and the Hulk storyline that no one likes?
2: Yeah. I liked it.
3: Well, well, you know how they were all like, oh no, it made her too weak or something like that. Yeah, whatever. That's my biggest complaint from Wonder Woman 84. I don't think it shows anything that adds to the current DCEU. It was just a filler movie that could have, I'm still waiting for a green arrow movie. And you know me, I'm, I'm always going to be the two movies. I really want gambit movie and a green arrow movie. And I'll never probably see either one of those ever see the light of day.
2: Well, if I was in charge of making movies for DC I would, the first thing, the first thing I would do is make a Green Arrow movie and I would make Green, Erp, maybe not make a Green Arrow movie, but Green Arrow would be my Agent Colson. He would be the guy that shows up in all the movies, ties them all together, you know, because, uh, I don't know. I just, like I said, I, it just frustrates me that um, that right now. As much as I, I've always chosen Marvel over DC, there's a part of me that's frustrated that in the public eye, characters like Captain America and Iron Man are bigger than characters like Superman. And that just, for some reason, that just bothers me. But they'll they'll get around to it eventually. I just, I feel like they will. They will eventually. I think... Uh, yeah, because what you said...
3: The, I think maybe... Because the Avengers were uh, what class
2: yeah if if dc is smart heroes if dc smart they'll they'll wait i think in a a few years people are just going to get tired of marvel movies and that's when dc is going to be like all right here's our folks here's our here's our characters
3: the other end to that though to play devil's advocate is well people are tired of marvel movies dc's got their own characters So why do we want to go see that if we don't want to go see a Marvel movie doing the same thing?
2: Well, but I think to bring it back around to the Suicide Squad, I think one of the things that the Suicide Squad has done is to show people, look, we cut real deep. We really dug down and found some of the really obscure DC characters. And look how fun they can be. Look how interesting they can be. Look what kind of movie we can make with somebody who shoots freaking polka dots out of his skin. You know, the what? moment where John Cena's like, wow, he really does throw polka dots at people. And look at, look at what we can do. Just wait till we, you know, you see some of our, of course, let's just, I, I I'm really interested to see the new Batman movie. We'll see how that turns out. The new Flash movie. You know, we'll see how that turns out. And then
3: we're getting our entire multiverse and we're going to have a crisis in cinematic form within the next 10 years.
2: Yeah. And they're kind of doing that with Marvel right now, though.
3: Oh, God. Yeah. Because what is it? Uh, No Way Home.
2: No Way Home. And then Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You know that's what Loki is leading was leading up to, basically.
3: Well, here's the thing with that: Marvel has a good solid base. They they spent the last 13 years solidifying their base, so now they get the chance to go out and do something crazy. Some crazy stuff, yep. Looking forward to. And I I want I I'm excited to see Tobey Maguire suit up as Spider Man for the first time in. What twenty years? Yeah. It's been twenty years since he's done the red and
2: blue spandex. So let me let me okay, we need we do need to be wrapping this up pretty soon because yes. uh I have to I have I, I have some things I have You're to have to trim this. Um No, 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 no. I don't the length of the episode doesn't matter to me. We have we just uh We've we've gone way off topic several times. Yeah. But I, I feel like I need to say this um the whole like with the the whole crisis that they did on the TV shows and the whole thing they're doing now with the multiverse stuff in uh in Marvel bringing like Toby Maguire back and blah 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 in the comic books if you had Clark Kent in from one universe and Clark Kent from another universe he looked the same but yet in the TV world or the movie world Clark Kent in one universe looks like one guy who plays him in, in in one TV show. Clark Kent in another universe looks like the dude that played it, looks like Brandon Ruth. Batman in one universe looks like freaking Michael Keaton. And in another universe, he looks like Ben Affleck. And I just and then Spider Man, they just, you know, for some reason I just I find that really I don't know how else they would do it. Because so you're. It, it's it's you're, more fun to have these actors that played these different characters, that played the same character, be different versions of the character. I get it. That's a lot more fun than having Brandon Ruth, for example, play Superman from Earth 1, Superman from Earth 2, Superman from Earth 3, you know? But I just find it, I find it very the, yeah. fun. Did you ever actually watch the Crisis episodes then? No, I tried. I tried to watch. I I looked it up. I one one night I said, "You know what? I need to watch all these." So I looked it up online to see where to start and they had me start with the Supergirl episode and I just I don't know, I just couldn't get into it. I I just couldn't. It's like it ugh. the acting seemed to be way over the top. The kid that it's was playing Brainiac was just Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's TV, but you know, it's ne- it's technically it's the like future network TV compared to well, it know, was in the, 90s. the shows that they put on Netflix for Marvel or the shows they put on Disney Plus for Marvel. It's just that they don't compare. So it, it it I I should probably give it another chance. You know, I gave Green Arrow three freaking chances and I'm still not able to get into that show. <laughs> So, you won't get past the, you, your whole I just I got nothing get against get the dude, personally. From what I understand, the, the, the dude that plays Green Arrow is a uh, super nice guy. Everybody who's ever met him just loves him. I got nothing against him. He's just not Oliver Queen to me, and I just can't get past him.
3: And I think the whole thing with that is that was 2012, right after Dark Knight Trilogy ended. That's what they went for. Yeah and the show evolves away from that and shows green arrow a little bit more as green arrow. Yeah. But you're, you what, you're not going to like
2: it. He could come on the screen with blonde hair and a fricking goatee and it wouldn't matter. I just, I can't, I, I just can't get past him. And again, it's nothing against him. I just, he's not Oliver Queen to me. And I, I have tried plus the freaking queen mansion is Lex Luthor's mansion from frickin' Smallville, and I can't get past that either. It's it's also the X-Mansion, too. Exactly! Find another mansion, people. Drives uh, me nuts. Drives me crazy. All right, well, um, final thoughts. You need to watch them. I'll, I'll try again when I've run out of stuff to watch.
3: Um,
2: I would give Suicide Squad the first one
3: I would give it a solid seven. This one, I'm going to give it a solid eight, nine, eight, nine and a half. Uh, Some things I didn't like, some things that could have been tweaked. But other than that, much more improvement over the first one. Uh, A little bit more fun, lighthearted versus the dark tone of the first one. And other than that, I enjoyed it. I will probably watch it again. Like I do the Justice League movie, the non Snyder verse, the non Snyder cut. I watched that several times because I it's my only source of Justice League sometimes, besides Young Justice.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's like that's the shame with DC. It's you gotta if if you're a if you're a freaking DC fan, if you love these characters, you've gotta take what you can get, and what they're giving us isn't always the best. Uh, suicide Suicide Squad, the first one, I may give it a five, maybe a six. It had, had its moments. It had some good moments in it. This one, I'm going to give it a straight-up nine, uh, only because I enjoyed it much more. I, I loved it the first time. I enjoyed it even more the second time, and that's a big thing for me. If I watch a movie the first time and I love it, and then I try to watch it again later and it's like... I find it slow and can, and you know, and it, it didn't do anything for me as like it did the first time. Then I know it's just a one trick pony, but after watching it a second time, I enjoyed it even more. So I'm going to give it. A I, I still
3: laugh my ass off with the whole yeah. weasel thing. Yeah. Every, yeah. I, I just think the weasel thing to me is just that it's, it's great.
2: They didn't play w- check to see if he can swim. I will admit uh, first time through, I was laughing out loud throughout most of it. The second time through, of course I was watching it by myself. The second time through, I tend not to laugh out loud when I by myself, but the only moment that made me laugh out loud. The second time through was after that woman, uh, smacked Amanda Waller in the back of the head with the, with the golf club. When she turns around and yells at the guy to get on the satellite that just it, it, it made me laugh out loud. It's like, yeah, get him. You know, it's like I just smacked our boss in the back of the head with a golf club. Get on that freaking satellite. You know? I thought it was very funny. Made me laugh out loud. I, anyway,
3: I had to laugh out loud the entire time, both times watching it. And like I said, I was gripping the bed laughing so hard last night watching it. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't wake my wife up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. We'll do this again. We'll we do it need again. to. We we need we need to do
3: a Green Arrow one. As much as I love yeah. Green Arrow, I know you love Green Arrow more I think, than I do.
2: I think we need to talk about Quiver.
3: I I I told you I finished that right.
2: Yeah, and I absolutely enjoyed. I need it. to I need to reread it. It's been probably um, maybe a decade since I've read it. Um, I have the DC app, so. I just need to reread it and then we can talk about it. I have all 12 issues. Nice. See Quiver. And like I said, we'll talk about it. We'll get into it if, when we do the episode. Cause we will eventually, but Quiver is the book that got me, that really got me into green arrow. I wasn't much of a green arrow fan before Quiver. And I will, I'll say right now, and then we'll drop it. When Quiver came out, I skipped it completely. Somebody was telling me that I should read it, and my first thought was, "It's a guy who freaking shoots arrows." I don't understand how that could be in any way entertaining, but I'll read it, and just fell in love with it. And he's been first, first. You know, when it comes to my top five, when we're talking about just straight up superheroes from the top, from the top two from Marvel DC, he's probably in my top five at this point. He got Superman, Spider Man uh green arrow um yeah batman's up there he he annoys me at times but i've been reading the the new bat the new batman series from uh james tynion the fourth and it's really good
3: is it, it back to him being the detective
2: it is it's it's really good it's he's yeah it's it's quite enjoyable and, and my- freaking tom taylor is making me like nightwing which i never thought that would ever happen I've never been a huge Nightwing guy. Should read Tom Taylor's Nightwing. I've never liked. I've never, I, I've never actively disliked Night Nightwing. I've just never understood the appeal. Dick, and now Dick I do. is
3: my Dick is one of not my favorite Robins. Yeah, Dick has never been one of my favorite Robins.
2: Well, when I, I mean, when I really started to get into DC Comics, it was late eighties. And Tim was Robin by that point.
3: So. Yeah, because that's right after the death yeah. of Todd. Yeah. And see, so Todd's that's... my favorite Robin.
2: Yeah. So we can discuss right, that another time. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man.
3: Yeah, thank you. And we're gonna, in uh, th- this part, listeners of this,
2: yeah, enjoy my soothing voice fall asleep to the soothing sounds of Arthur singing you to sleep with a selection of slumbering hits. Yeah, he's not going to sing, people. Don't worry. No. No. And there it is. That was the fun. That was the episode. That was me and Arthur talking about the Suicide Squad movie, along with various other items of interest to the two of us. I hope you enjoyed it because I do plan on doing more of these. I I've gotten a, a bit of a new setup here in the old just another fanboy studios to make it easier for me to talk to people remotely. I tried it in the past, but the only thing the only way I could do it based on the setup I had and I'm not going to get into I don't want anybody trying to run tech support for me, but I'll just tell you based on the 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 setup I had, I could only do direct live video streaming calls that I could then extract audio from later. But that's all going to change, folks. It's all changing. And now I am able to talk with people remotely, still through video, still through a video chat. We were on video. We were videoing it up and looking each other in the eye and and uh, that kind of thing. But I don't have to stream the video live at the same time. And... That's not something I typically really enjoy doing. <laughs> I can't explain why. I just don't. So now I can do it, and so I'm going to be doing it more often. I may have people on once a month. That might be a good, uh, a, a good route. A good—I don't. I can't think of the word. The word escapes me. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I don't have a mirror in front of me. But that's the good, that's the, oh, good Lord, I just need to stop. I'm going to stop talking now, folks. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Feedback at justanotherfanboy.com. Until then, until next week, until our next episode, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other.
0: Bye, Daddy. Good
2: job. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host. My name is Steven, and it's so hot outside that my toes feel like, I I don't know, I I I, I have no idea where I was going with that. Let's try that again, shall we? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast with people in it who, jeez. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that struggles to come up with something funny to say during this intro. And I—that's—I think I'm going the right route here, but I'm not—I'm not quite delivering it correctly. Let's—let's try it again. Joined by, uh, I heard.
0: That was dumb.